this one was in the Midwest, and so it was like really huge and all all Devo stuff, and it was like really cool. And there were also like deep fried whole chickens, which was kind of weird. So you'd get you know like this whole chicken shaped thing, and if and sometimes people would actually like eat the heads first, and and that was kind of weird. But that didn't really have a whole lot to do with the the Devo part. But then you hit record and you're out the door anyway. Our whole relationship is a CD skipping away. Crush on the ray. Let the show begin. Yes, I I just told a story about a dream that I had. Wow. Sorry, I missed that. It it involved deep fried chickens. Deep fried chickens? Like like whole. Like like naturally. Yeah, yeah. Like dipping a rooster in batter and then dipping them in the fryer and like putting them on a stick and calling it good. What's better than that? Most things I would imagine. Debone it first. Debone. Yeah. But then it wouldn't be rooster shaped. Point. It would just be a lump of meat mm. with a beak. <laughs> mm. <laughs> sort, sort of like an octopus, I guess, that way. Delicious. I've never, had, never had deep fried octopus, but I have had uh, deep fried calamari, deep fried squid. Love that stuff. Yeah. I, I, What's I, the I, difference between deep fried octopus and deep fried squid? Just the octopus and the squid part? Yeah, I mean, octopuses I would, I would have think, eight tentacles, and, squid have ten. Yeah, and also, like, octopuses are really smart, squid lo- not so much. Mm-hmm. Naturally. So I, 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 I can't eat. I mean, it, it helps that I don't really care for, like, squid. But, I mean, I can't, I can't eat octopus. I love them too much. Everything else is fair game. Mm, I will eat calamari until the day I die. Uh, but, but that's okay because those are squid and they're, they're, they're the jocks of the sea. <laughs> so fuck squid. I think we might have a title already. <laughs> All right, let's call it a show. Good night, everybody. Nah, we got mm. we got pics and stuff week. to talk about. Picks and whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> and we, it's an interesting lineup of picks this week. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Very, very I, I was thinking diverse. I could. Ho- oh, I was hoping that I could go last because I think I can. T- I I was kind of t- thinking of tying mine in with the topic of the show. <sighs> that works. Uh, so. Be it. The topic being about singles versus albums, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Good because, like, uh, otherwise I'd be like, "Oh, well, then I'll just talk about mine whenever." <laughs> that wasn't the case. <laughs> I mean, it was a suggestion, but I'm willing to. But it was my suggestion, so I'm willing to go for it. Okay. <laughs> no, actually, we were deciding that the topic was going to be chicken dreams. <laughs> mm, chicken dreams. That sounds vaguely perverted, but maybe that's just me. <laughs> Well, you, you you did see uh, Pink Flamingos uh, a few months ago, so yeah, that that is a that is definitely a movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of Pink Flamingos, it's one of those acquired taste kind of movies. And it's not everyone's cup of tea, so and that might be a good segue into my pick this week, which is not might not be everyone's cup of tea, but it was a risk I was willing to take. And I don't think uh, Deerhoof ever fucked a chicken to death. True. Uh, Deer Hoof is my pick, as Matt mentioned, and uh, they just put out a new album recently called Breakup Song, which is pretty good, but I figured I'd 
go for my favorite album of them, 2008's Friend Opportunity. Um, you know, it's the album that turned me into someone into sort of a casual Deerhoof fan into an actual, oh my god, I actually like Deerhoof. And so here's the, the, the here's uh, the first song off the album, a little bit of uh, perfect thing. of those vocals <laughs> <laughs> i know <clears throat> so um i discovered Deerhoof through the webcomic questionable content uh there's a link in the show notes to uh the comic that mentions them for the first time and a song of theirs called panda 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 or well no wait the song's just panda 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 but the lyrics are basically panda 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 which is adorable and are you going to link to pictures of pandas too in the show notes uh no but i am going to link to a video of the song panda 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 which may have pictures of pandas in it ah are they (laughs) is that a thing might be giants reference yes (laughs) (laughs) to the shitty kids records even (laughs) well i don't know I only listened to well, one of their kids' records, but that, that we're getting off topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, anyway, anyway. <laughs> yeah, Friend Opportunity, this was just, honestly, they're, they're a band that's notoriously uneven, I think, and so uh, Friend Opportunity is definitely one of their better ones. Uh, Breakup Song is pretty good, too, just not as good as this, so, you know, let's, if I'm going to throw this at you, I'm going to throw on a good one. And so, hopefully, I know you are a fan, Matt, so I want to know if Andrew... Uh, that uh, this is going to be a, a fetus for Andrew. <laughs> it's definitely not a fetus, uh, <laughs> but um, I thought it was pretty good. I like the I like the music. I'm a little iffy on the the little girl vocals, um, but I like that it's a shorter record too. So I don't know. I thought it was okay. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to go back and and listen to it again, but it was definitely very tolerable. And again, I like the music, so just a little questionable on the on the, the squeaky vocals. Yeah, I know that's going to be that. That's kind of like the big matter of contention around Deerhoof. It's like um, they're they're very talented musicians, and they're originally, I think, uh, I'm going to actually have to double check this on the Wikipedia. So bear with me. But I know she wasn't an original member of the band. Hmm. Deerhoof is a noise band, originally from San Francisco. What does that mean? Noise music. Uh, noise is like usually really really harsh. Um, there's especially like a, a strain of noise music that's like uh, often called a Japanese because it's from Japan. Uh huh. Um, there's um, stuff like uh, Mersbo, who honestly I've never really gotten into. Um, also, um, Ground mm-hmm. Zero and Otomo Yoshihide, who I ha- ha- who I do get into. I-, I I like Otomo Yoshihide's stuff a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it's the, usually uh, then there's this, the genre of noise rock which uh, we kind of touched on. I think X models are sort of linked to that scene. Uh, the most famous noise rock bands are probably the Boredoms and Milk Banana, also from Japan. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I honestly, I don't know if I'd really call Deerhoof a noise band because they're way too poppy. Yeah. Yeah, I think we've listened to far noisier bands on this show. Yeah, I mean, I, like, 
like basically like a, a noise I think kind of can be seen as sort of an outgrowth of industrial to some some degree. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really sure, I, I, uh, you know, which came first. And I mean, I don't I don't even really know if like noise was really influenced by industrial or if it was sort of a something that was kind of developed in tandem, you know, like, you know, unrelated, but around the same time. Mm-hmm. But it's basically like kind of like industrial plus, if that makes sense. Like, like I mean, like I, I know that you don't really know Throbbing Gristle, but I mean, at least like Throbbing Gristle will have like song structure and some noise. You know, depending on the noise, is it won't? It'll be a little bit more um, atmospheric, say. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't know. Like um, Rich, would, would would you like? I mean, I know that they're more like in, industrial, but I mean. Would you say that like Iser Trende uh, Neubauten uh, would be kind of more noisish? Do you think? I, hmm. That that is a tough call to make. That is a tough call to make. Uh, Neubauten is definitely noisy, especially since they do a lot of stuff with non-traditional percussion instruments and, like, say, power tools. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So that's a that's a tricky 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 distinction to make i don't i think that i'm just classifying them as industrial i i, I think of noise as more less structured and more atonal mm-hmm. because you know say what you will uh but Neubauten, they even they even when they use those non-traditional instruments they do it in it's musical in a way it's pitched it, they they do have they're not just like banging on shit at least in their say the second two-thirds of their career mm-hmm possibly even the, the, the last three quarters of their career, because they've been around for a long time, that it's not just, we're making this noise for the sake of making noise, we're making this noise for the sake of using this noise as instrumentation. Yeah. Look at me acting like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I, I've actually thought about um, picking uh, Otomo Yoshihide in the future, but I'd pick one of his more uh, jazz records, where he, like, he ha- he's, like, a very good um, guitarist, as well as like turntablist and and noise guy, <laughs> um, and his uh, jazz often uses aspects of noise. Like uh, he's done some stuff with um, Sachiko M, who uh, uses a empty sampler and basically gets stuff that sounds kind of like feedback. And there's one of his records. Uh, uh, it's like basically a, a thing with just him and Sachiko M, and the the group is called Filament. And it basically sounds like modem noise, but it's pretty cool. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. Then, of course, there's the uh, Ur Noise album, Metal Machine Music by Lou Reed. Yes. <laughs> which I have listened to all the way through, God help me. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah. So, I don't know why they're classifying your hoof as noise, because they're, they're maybe noise. So not. Yeah, noise pop could be. Is yeah, I, I'd go with noise pop. <laughs> uh, kind of, sort of, but... Like, I, I can think of a few other bands I would kind of classify as noise pop, like Kato, but I don't know if that's really the, the, the name of the genre or if it's, you know, just sort of like indie rock yeah. at that point. And like like you said, you're I know you're a fan of Gearhoof, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, which, is this, this is my favorite Gearhoof record. I don't know where you stand on it, though. Uh, probably this is my favorite as well. I mean, it, it's kind of hard to cho- choose. I mean, I, I do like Offend Maggie a lot as well. Um, mm, pardon. And, but yeah, I, I like this and I, I mean, if you, 
if you know your your weird indie rock but don't know Deerhoof, um, kind of like uh, Fiery Furnaces is a pretty good uh, touchstone, I think. Or uh, also on the the Japanese side, uh, Buffalo Daughter, like kind of kind of give me some of that, like with some of the early uh, Buffalo Daughter stuff, like uh, Captain Vapor Heroes, which is a great record, and um, oh, the the second one. Um, New Rock, that's a, a great record as well. And so, yeah, I, I, I kind of go with those two as, like, touchstones. But, yeah, honestly, I'd, I'd probably recommend getting uh, Friend Opportunity first. And it's the, the, the one with the weirdly painted letters on the cover that only have the word friend on there backwards. And that's, like, the only readable word on the cover. The rest of it's, like, O's and P's and shit. But that's still a good record. Oh, yes. It's a wonderful record. It's just a weird cover. Yeah, granted. But then again, most of their covers are pretty weird. Yeah, that's very true. And yeah, the, uh, the cover of the new one, Breakup Song, it's just like this... It's like a bulldozer covered in Christmas lights or something. It's odd. Yeah, yeah. but it's pretty cool, though. Oh, yeah. I dig it. I dig it. Mm-hmm. And... Oh, yeah. So now I guess... Now it's on to uh, Andrew's pick, I guess. Woo! All right. So, uh... <laughs> So my pick for this week is the album Brothers by the Black Keys. Um, and the song that I picked is Howlin' For You, which is track four, which we will play for the folks now. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so uh, I'm not a huge Black Keys connoisseur. Um, I had a couple of their rec- I've had a couple of the records for a long time, and actually looking at their Wikipedia page, I see that they have been around since 2001. And Brothers is actually their commercial breakthrough, which came out in 2010. So they've clearly paid their dues. <laughs> um, so uh, I think we've talked about guitar and drum duos on the show before and I think I mentioned that I was not a huge fan and uh, so with that in mind I was never too interested in the Black Keys but I saw them featured on CBS Sunday Morning and uh, they had a a long segment on that show and uh, with interviews with the guys and stuff and I was just impressed with their story and their their sort of uh, chemistry you know and kind of their, their romantic tale of you know two best friends from high school I think who uh, eventually dropped out of college and formed a rock band and stuff. Um, and so I had just happened to put this album on the other day and I really, uh, I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to. I like the sort of bluesy sort of gritty feel to it. And especially with Howlin' for you, it's got a nice, a nice groove and some grit to it. So I'm not, a. I can't say too much about it. It's just, um, what I've been listening to recently. So I thought I'd throw it onto the show. So there it is. <laughs> The first I ever heard of the Black Keys was uh, 2008 when uh, they opened for Devo at a fundraising show in Ohio for uh, the Obama campaign, and you know, they, they definitely caught my attention. Um, you know, they're they're from Akron, the uh, boot camp to the mm-hmm. world, and <laughs> yeah, you know, just where the rubber meets the road. Yeah, and 
but I never got around to checking them out until fairly recently. In fact, like not long after we did the episode where I talked about Japan droids. Though, I did mm-hmm. end up actually getting a hold of, uh, they did a split 7-inch in 2010, very limited edition with Devo, called uh, Greetings from Akron, Ohio. Uh, Devo had a song on the eight, on one side, uh, Human Rocket off the new album, uh, Something for Everybody. And the Black Keys had a song called Ohio, which was not a cover of the Neil Young song. And I don't know if, I, I don't think that's on any albums, unfortunately, but... Uh, that that song actually really didn't do much for me, but um, so it's interesting to check out Brothers. This is actually the first week I think since we started the show that I didn't have to actually uh, get a hold of any of the albums uh, from the Dropbox. I already had all of them. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> actually, <Yeah>. same here. <laughs> yeah. So this was this was uh, this was this was pleasing, but it, it's something I think is sort of I don't know if it's just this album or something about them because I don't get the same impact that i do from japan droids i think like there's a couple good songs on here like mm-hmm. tighten up and howling for you and maybe yeah. one or two others but uh the whole album just it's it's a very long album and it just feels like it could either have been tightened up no pun intended or just uh i don't know that's just it feels like there's something missing that's to get my attention yeah i kind of feel the same way i like uh, a handful of tracks but it's um i don't know maybe it's just the feeling i guess i don't know what other personnel is on here um, according to Wikipedia, it's just the two the, of them. Uh, yeah. it's, it's just the two of them, guitar and drums, but Dan, uh, I forget how you say his last name, Auerbach, yeah, uh, also so. played guitar, bass, keyboards, and organ and stuff. But I guess just the, the stigma of it being just guitar and drums is kind of, gets kind of tiresome with 15 tracks. You could use a bass player. <laughs> yeah. But to I, their credit, they tour with a bass player, so that's good. Yeah, there's actually like a, uh, uh, Sort of, it was like a free free download kind of thing of um, where it was um, Steve of Red Cross, the bassist in Red Cross, uh, played bass on a bunch of White Stripes tracks and released the record as Red Blood Cells, and it's actually pretty awesome. Sweet. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of funny with like Black Keys because like um, I know that like you know a lot of people are like, oh man, they sold out, boo. But the thing is, is their their first two albums were really, really bluesy, and honestly, they struck me as a little blues hammer. Um, if you've seen the film Ghost World, you know that shitty uh, white blues bar rock band in in one of the scenes, and that's kind of my like go to for that kind of really bad white boy blues. Mm-hmm. And their first couple albums were kind of blues hammery. And then they ended up becoming like this like really good arena rock band. <laughs> and a lot of people are like, no, but I think the arena rock black keys kicks the ass of the blues hammer black keys. <laughs> um, like I like actually like I think that was like uh, the first time I kind of realized like, oh, wait, they don't suck anymore. It was with that uh, that uh, 45 that uh, Rich mentioned the the Devo split. I, I it, it's not like Ohio is not the best Black Keys song, but I mean it's like it's still much more in that rockin' vein than the blues hammer vein. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I I like Brothers. And I like El Camino a lot. The second the second good album. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like their fourth overall. Um. And yeah, but I do agree that like this would be like an awesome lean like forty minute record. Yeah. At, at fifty five, it it's like a little like. Oh, okay. You know, like 
But I mean, nothing on there is like really bad. Nothing to me like leaps out as like, okay, you know, dump this track. So mm-hmm. probably just, you know, they could have gotten two good lean records out of it instead of one bloated, boring one. Or I mean, yeah. more boring one. It's I, I don't want to say it, the album is boring because it's not. But I mean, you do you do get a little like, ex- exhausted by the end of it, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. So, but yeah, but in general, I am I am pro sellout Black Keys. Yeah, I guess uh, according to the CBS Sunday Morning that they have licensed out their songs to like hundreds of commercials and that sort of thing, uh, which has allowed them to sort of achieve mainstream success and at least get their stuff out there. And uh, I don't really have a problem with with that. But then again, I wasn't a uh, a fan back before they quote unquote sold out. So maybe I would be more emotionally affected if I had been. But good for them, I say. I, I'm kind of the same way. I think selling or you know that that kind of sellout kind of thing is kind of bullshit anyway. Because you know, I mean, especially too with like with nowadays, you know, licensing your tracks like that is about the only way that you can make money. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't begrudge anyone who who wants to make money, especially if it's awesome. I mean, it's like sometimes it can get exhausted, exhausting too, where it like. With Moby, where he licensed like every single track from was it Play? I think like fifty billion times over, and it's just sort of like at that point it just becomes ubiquitous, and you start to hate it, and you're just sort of like, okay, fuck this guy, like stop being a whore. <laughs> yeah. But I don't think that like you know I mean you know with like Black Keys like I they they may have licensed a lot, but it it wasn't I guess to that that sort of like critical mass of of doing it so it's sort of with that i don't i don't begrudge them and in most cases i don't i mean like you know with like devo i mean they've licensed a lot of their tracks but i mean with them it's more because they you know that that's the only way they can get money off of them due to like being completely screwed over by the publishing side of things so mm-hmm. it's like basically you know they're you know uh the you know a uh, company is going to use Whip It or, or whatever anyway. So if they re-record it, at least they get a little bit of money off of it. And rather than, you know, having, you know, basically getting branded with, you know, having sold out without any of the actual benefits of selling out, i.e. money. Right. I'm going to take the uh, devil's advocate position and say I want my artists to, be, artists to be struggling and poor and not have enough money to live on. I think selling out is <laughs> wrong. And I'm obviously talking out of, I'm obviously being a liar here because no, I Anyone who honestly complains about, oh, my, selling out in the sense that, like, you know, they're actually making money off their music, you know, I have no qualms about that. I I have qualms about artists who just, who suddenly just stop making anything good and making mainstream success, you know. See, for example, Gary Newman circa uh, 1983 to 1994 or whenever the Hell Machine and Soul came out. I I, I like some of that stuff, but I mean, but yeah, there is, like, definitely a... Kind of like okay, screw it. I I I'm, I'm I want to get paid. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and I mean it's it. Yeah, if if you're changing your actual sound and, and not making it better, like the Black Keys ended up doing, <laughs> it, then it's then yeah, it's sort of like. Ugh. But even then, at least you know maybe you know in the case of the sellout, maybe like they'll the newfound fans will go back to like the first couple records which would you know of course still exist 
and go like, oh, these are really good, and, and at least they'll be turned on to like good music through a now shitty band. Mm. Yeah. But it yeah, does still suck when, when a band of cool people decides to not be cool anymore. Right. Okay, I guess we rode that we rode that rent hole in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> so we yeah, now it's your turn, Matt. Okay. Um, probably the the weirdest pick of all, no pun intended. I, I picked uh, Weird Al Yankovic's uh, would be his third record, Dare to Be Stupid, which is probably my favorite Weird Al album. But I love them all a lot. And uh, for the pick, I just figured I might as well go through the title tracks. That probably is my favorite. Uh, the Devo uh, style parody, Dare to be Stupid. So let's let's hear a little bit of that now. Um, yeah, it's like, and, uh, I mean, I, I am a huge Weird Al fan. I am unashamed of that. I, I think, you know, he, you know, puts a lot of work in, in, into his stuff and he's really good. And I mean, it's, even if he's, you know, funny, but sometimes he's, you know, he, he, there's actual kind of an emotional core there too. Like, um, I think I've talked about, uh, uh, King of Suede, uh, before on this show, but but yeah, I, I am a huge fan of Weird Al, and uh, I still, you know, buy his records. I was actually made fun of at work for, like, skipping out on my lunch break one time to go pick up um, a copy of uh, um, Straight Outta Linwood. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's like, I, I am a huge Weird Al fan, and I, I think that he does not get enough credit. So I guess, like, a... First, uh, we'll we'll talk about that, and then I'll go into my rant that kind of segues into the topic, I guess. Okay. If that makes sense, I don't know. <laughs> Sounds right, right? <laughs> okay. So, well, I had a big uh, Weird Al phase in my youth around the time that Running with Scissors came out. That's a and, great record. And uh, yeah, I played the crap out of it when I was younger. Um, and I agree with you, Matt. He does put a lot of effort into his stuff, and he is very talented at what he does. Um, but over time, uh, for me, the novelty has sort of worn off, and I don't uh, put him on very much any often, uh, very often uh, anymore. But um, you know, I'm uh, pleased that he's still still doing his thing. And uh, it was interesting to hear an older uh, Weird Al record because Running with Scissors is fairly recent. Uh, considering the length of his career, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, that was like what ninety nine. Yeah, something like that. Uh, and I had the I had a live cassette VHS. Um, I think it's just Weird Al Live or something like that. Yeah, but it was yeah. for the Running with Scissors tour, and uh, I watched the crap out of that too. Um, so I had a big Weird Al phase, and I still appreciate him today. But uh, I've sort of gotten away from the uh, the novelty of it all. But you know, still good. And Yoda's a great song. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I was actually a little surprised at this because uh, this is a, I haven't really I haven't really sat down and listened to this one uh, very much. Um, so half of it's like really really good, and half of it um, just kind of left me going, oh boy, why am I listening to this? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. 
I mean, I love Weird Al too. Uh, the first album I ever bought with my uh, with my own money was uh, Bad Hair Day, mm. the one with Amish Paradise on it. Right. And I was I saw Weird Al on the street out of uh, not the Street Limit tour, uh, the uh, Running with Scissors tour. And it's interesting too because it was watching the, I was getting just starting getting into Diva at the time, and when he busted out and did Dare to Be Stupid with the yellow suits and everything, and like, oh my god, I really need to get more into Diva. It was just one of those. Uh, pushes towards that. Mm-hmm. I love that when he does Dare to Be Stupid live, like the band does like a lot of the uh, same dance moves as Devo and like like Uncontrollable Urge are doing a lot of that same kind of stuff, and it's really cool. Right, you know, but some of the like a couple of the parodies are just you know I want a new duck I can't stand, and the less said about the uh, contractually obligated Cindy Law parody, the better. <laughs> Yeah, I I think that one was like one that like they actually did force on him, but it was I, I don't know I don't mind uh, girls just want to have lunch so much, but it is probably the weakest track on there. I, I kind of like uh, want a new duck though. I, I, the problem so it's got the with quack 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 quack. I like yes, that. Yes, we get bit. it. You have a sampler. Uh, <laughs> I, I just find the samplers are awesome. <laughs> yeah. I just I just find the original that Cindy Lauper song so absolutely goddamn painful that uh, it's like it's one of the uh, the three songs I'm not going to mention the other two because it'll just bring up more bad memories that I just simply cannot stand to even hear one note of. Mm. So that's that's where I stand on that. But then again, you know, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's got a great polka medley. It's got it's a great it's a when it's good it's really good, but when it's bad it's just yeah. You know, so maybe that's kind of why I've fallen out of the Weird Al thing too. But I know it, it, his later stuff is a lot more consistent. Mm-hmm. I, I think my absolute favorite album of his is Street Out of Linwood. Yeah, that one is really good. I love um, Pancreas on that one, the Brian Wilson yeah. uh, style parody. I mean, that one is like so well done, and even like uh, some of uh, Brian's like backing band were like really impressed with that one. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the Sparks style parody is pretty solid too. Yes. Yes. Um, but one of the, the reasons why I did choose Weird Al, other than being like a huge, huge Weird Al fan, and I, I mean, I have all the albums, you know, all of the DVDs, including some of the rarer ones. And, you know, like I said, I, I you know, I hopped out of work to go to go get the record on, on the day it came out, you know, and that kind of thing. Um, but it's, he's one of those people that, I think people like think of him as basically a singles artist almost exclusively. And I think that that does like a service to those fans because I mean, a lot of times like the, his originals can be really amazing. Like um, even though I thought Poodle Hat was kind of a weaker album, uh, there's a song on there called uh, Hardware Store, which uh, is very well uh, put together and just a really cool song where it has like a really long, like fast paced patter section. And it's got like percussion that's from like actual, like, you know, I mean, there's, there's samples, but I mean, it's, it's the, the drum track is made out of tools like ratchets and, and, and anvil hits and stuff like that. And it's just like a really cool, well put together song in, in, in a, in as well as being well funny also, but, but yeah, it's it, it's just a really well put together thing. And also, when with you talk about his band, I mean they're really amazing. Like uh, Steve J, his bassist, studied under John Cage. 
like the famous uh, avant-garde composer. You know, it's I, I never knew that. Yeah, yeah, and I mean Jim West is an accomplished uh, slack key guitarist as well as being you know Al's guitarist, and uh, I think he also does the banjo during the polka medleys and. You know, multi instrumentalist. I mean, I think they're all multi instrumentalists, um, pretty much. Uh, it's just like the band is really, 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 really good. I mean, it's not just, you know, some studio musicians that keep he pulled in corralled. I mean, they're all legit hardcore guys. Mm-hmm. And they've also been with him since the beginning. Like, like I think Steve J joined like shortly after the debut record, and Ruben, his uh, touring keyboardist, joined. Uh, I think it was on Running with Scissors was his first as an official band member. But I mean, it, but he'd been been with Al like for a few tours before that even. And but yeah, it's like just there's not a lot of turnover. I mean, he's got that very uh, core troop of people that he works with. I mean, like pretty much all the albums had been engineered by uh, Tony Papa, I think. Um, Like Rick Derringer produced um, the first ones up to, I want to say Off the Deep End was the first that Al produced. I I could be misremembering on that one, but I mean, every other one was like produced by uh, Rick Derringer, the famous uh, rock star, guitarist, rock and roll hoochie coo, that guy. Um, but yeah, it's like, I, and I, I think that, uh, there's a lot of depth on his albums and for, uh, especially for someone who, you know, I mean, novelty music is often thought of as a single genre anyway, mm-hmm. you know, but I mean, for someone who is such, you know, thought of as such a, you know, a single sky, you know, I, I think there are even people out there who are like, Oh, Weird Al has albums, you know, other than greatest hits kind of things, you know? And and that his albums are really strong and not fillery. You know, there there's not a lot of filler on a Weird Al album. There, like most of the songs on every one are, you know, really good. You know, I mean, there's it's you rarely get the impression that he's just tossing something off to keep the record from warping. Yeah. So so that that that's the the, the segue rant, I guess. <laughs> It, it's 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 interesting because I I tend to be an album person by default. I just if I like even just a one or two songs, I'm going to end up getting the album because I think that's just how you're supposed there, to consume music. Well, yeah, and and I mean it's too is I think it is like kind of a fair idea that you know, you know this band has made two or three songs that I really like. They probably have made more. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I I mean that I like not just more songs. <laughs> I do have a co- some stuff in my collection that I really I don't know why I have the whole album because I don't listen to more uh, ex- anything more than just a couple songs not nine times out of ten mm-hmm. and it's it's a weird thing because I, I feel guilty about like just going to going to those songs I don't want to be the guy I don't like the uh, greatest hits compilation thing except in very rare occasions I have I think uh, yeah I've got. T- uh, two greatest hits albums uh, that are actually called greatest hits. I think I've got another, like one or two other compilations of hits, as it were, by artists. Um, off the top of my head, it's uh, my guilty pleasure sticks, which we're gonna have to come back to in a later show. I think mm-hmm. I have their greatest hits because do I do you really need anything else by sticks? No, 
uh, have the Ventures Greatest Hits, uh, something of, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, 50s guitarist, uh, Dick Dale. Dwayne, Dick. oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I have a Johnny Cash Greatest Hits, which is the one, only one I feel guilty about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, most of my greatest hits are bands that I, I collect already. Like, like I mean, I, I have, like, you know, a couple of the Devo greatest hits or the, like, the Might Be Giants greatest hits. And that's more of out of collecting rather than anything else. I don't know of very many greatest hits albums that I have for, you know, like, for their greatest hitsness of them, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I don't even do that with uh, some of the bands I like. I've got Pioneers Who Got Scout by Devo, which is... Less of a greatest hits and more just a compilation with a lot of tracks I already have. <laughs> yeah. And I've got the singular Thomas Dolby, which uh, is worth having because it's got some uh, alternate stuff on it, uh, I think. And it comes with a DVD, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's got a couple edits and some, you know, it's got field work on it and a remix or two. Yeah, you know, some of the single versions are different, so it's worth having. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's one thing that is kind of nice with some bands of getting the greatest hits is, like, if it's a band that has a lot of, like, single remixes where, like, the album version is, like, uh, a different version than the one that you hear on the radio, a lot of times those are the those are the ver- versions usually that go on the greatest hits albums are those single mixes, so those are kind of handy to have sometimes. Right. Mm-hmm. And would you consider uh, Plagiarism a greatest hits or no? I think that's a real album. Okay, like I, I consider that as a real album. That that's the Sparks' uh, tribute to themselves album. <laughs> yeah. Okay. They took a bunch of their greatest hits albums and then re-recorded them in their current style, and it's and unlike other albums that are like that, it doesn't suck. It's really awesome because they did it because you know because it was fun, not because of contractual things. <laughs> it's you know because every so often you'll get albums that are like, oh well, our other label owns all of our popular recordings so we're gonna old record these now that we're old and fat and suck yeah the the only thing the only song i have like that is on the sticks greatest hits they have the re-recording of the song lady because that's the only one that they couldn't get the rights to because it's from another label mm. god i feel guilty talking about sticks on something that's liking sticks on something that's going to be consumed by the public <laughs> <laughs> i think I like sticks i think there's some good stick songs like um Oh God! What's the uh, um, "Come Sail Away"? I'm going the Cartman one. <laughs> like I, I think I think that "Come Sail Away" is a legitimately good uh, pop song, and also um, um, uh, uh, "Domo Arigato, Mr. Roboto." Whatever the is that the real title of that one or it's, it's Mr. Roboto? Yeah. Okay. And there's another one on Kilroy that that's a good song, but I don't remember what it is. Don't I have a uh, maybe? Yeah, yeah, I love um, Kilroy. Was here was one of my childhood records growing up, and I played the crap out of it from start to finish. So uh, unabashedly, <laughs> um, turns out it did not get very high scores <laughs> according to uh, Wikipedia. But yeah, I love that record. I don't know why. Um, I listen to that more than I listen to the greatest hits record. <laughs> Like, um, are are there any that you can think of where you felt like where you have not got the greatest hits album and got the record but got burned? Like, um, for me, it's um, the Missing Persons album, Spring Session M, because like uh, Destination Unknown, fucking amazing single, words, 
fucking amazing single. The band is all Zappa alums. The album sucks ass. <laughs> hmm, I'm trying to think. Um, because off the top of my head, nothing sticks out at me as that. Um, but uh, so I'm, I'm just going to flip through my collection right now. Um, there's there's a couple of the uh, mid of Aviator Drill records. Uh, can you tell I'm looking through this alphabetical order? That I really <laughs> just yeah. You know, they have a couple good songs, and then everything else is kind of meh. But uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Uh, yeah, I'm just yeah. Um, yeah, nothing is just jumping out at me, unfortunately, right now. But okay, yeah, it was like one where when I was in high school, there was like a few times where like I would like get the albums by one hit wonders. Like I, that's how I discovered the vapors through, you know, getting the, the album from, um, it was actually, it was a, uh, anthology, which was the U S edition of, uh, nuclear days, which is the one with the three Japanese on it with like four tracks from magnets. And I fell in love with that record and played it to death. And the same thing with M who, uh, did pardon pop music. I got his first record, uh, New York, London, Paris, Munich, Actually, did I do that or did I actually like I no 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 I got his uh I found a cheap copy of his second album which did not have pop music on it off of my love of pop music and fell in love with that record so hard and that was uh uh official, official secrets Se- app. Yeah. I love the Vapors too. I I did the same thing with the Vapors uh Okay. Oh yeah, now I now I remember. I I have all the Human League albums. And I don't know why, because everything between Hysteria and the new one, Credo, is absolute. It, it, well, not absolute crap, but they have the the two albums they put out near the tail end of the '80s, Crash and Romantic, are just terrible. Mm. And it's like, how is this the same band that put out uh, Dare? Which I honestly need to make as a pick one of these days, because it is honestly just the canonical synth pop album for me. Mm-hmm. It is an amazing record, top to bottom, inside and out. There's not a bad track on it. Um, and you know, the, the backstory to that, too, is that it was... a the, the first two albums were more like in the vein of Kraftwerk, more hard-edged, uh, almost industrial electronic music. Yeah, like like being boiled and stuff like that. Right. And then the, the band just sort of fell apart. It was Phil Oakey... Um, Ann Marsh and Martin Ware. Am I getting the names right? I don't think I'm getting the names right. Either way. If they, not, you're close. Yeah. <laughs> the people the people who weren't Phil Oakey split off and became the Heaven 17. And so Phil basically just, still under contract with uh, with Virgin, was like, oh, shit. Uh, we've got to go on tour. You know, threw together a backing band of people that he knew, of some people. Came back. Uh, Virgin's like, okay, now cut an album. What? Shit. <laughs> and somehow they managed to put an album together. He got the uh, these two girls that he found at a nightclub, brought them who he'd brought on tour to do backing vocals and dance. They sang on the record with him, and suddenly this like the one original member managed to pull together a band that basically created a genre-defining album. How does that even happen? <laughs> it's magic. <laughs> and then somehow, and just never reached that uh, height again ever. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's the first, that's. I don't have that's much to say about. Uh, yeah, I don't have much to say about greatest hits versus singles. It depends on 
I think my level of fandom as to whether or not I listen to the greatest hits as opposed to having the entire discography. Like I love Queen, but I nine times out of ten I'll put on the greatest hits records. Mm-hmm. Um, probably because I grew up on those, but um, like with Rush, I mean I have the greatest hits records, and there are several of them, but it, um, I will rarely put those on. Um, and I think a like a greatest hits record. If it's not a collection of like the singles, like for a lot of bands, the singles can be like the weakest tracks on their record. Mm-hmm. Um, but like for something like Queen, like those are all like, in my opinion, like some of their best songs. So it, in that sort of instance, it kind of helps you sift through because their discography is so broad. It kind of helps you uh, sort of sift through everything. But then again, Rush has a huge discography too. Um, but I don't. Um, listen to the greatest hits probably i don't know maybe their singles feel more like singles and the you know the real tracks the real rush fans like the the 18 minute tracks and stuff so i don't know it's tough to say what causes me to listen to a greatest hits compilation as opposed to the records themselves but i don't know well i'd agreed with you too that uh queen is very much a singles band because like Mm. um i've you know, I loved, like, I, I had, like, the, the two or three greatest hits albums that, you know, and I played those to death. And I ended up, like, going back and getting, you know, like, a bunch of the records. Yeah. And there's, like, a few tracks that are are lost gems, like uh, Bring Back Leroy Brown is a really great song. But so much of the albums are so fillery. Yeah, <clears throat> it's like you know. I mean, and, and and it was nice that like I mean, like with Queen, like you know, they'd release like half the record as singles anyway, mm-hmm. or I mean, at least that's how it seemed anyway. So it was like you would have like the singles, and then you'd have maybe one or two like lost classics, like you know, you know, uh, bring back Leroy Brown, and then you'd have you know stuff where it's like, okay, let's keep the record from warping, <laughs> and it's just sort of yeah. Yeah, I mean, looking through, I mean, I ended up acquiring all of the Queen albums uh, eventually because I kind of felt obligated that I had just been listening to the greatest hits for so long. Right, um, right. But looking through them, I mean, it seems like every album has like uh, a few tracks that I love, but it's hard for me to pick a favorite Queen record because I don't know any of them in their entirety. Yeah, and I mean, well, even if you listen to them, a lot of them do, do just kind of bounce off. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I will disagree with you on one count. A Night at the Opera is honestly an amazing record top, from start to finish. Mm. Yeah, I forget what else is on that record. Here we go. I'm in love with my car. Yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, but still, even on that record, I mean, I'm okay, you're my best friend. You know, I still only know a handful of tracks on that record. No, but, sit, da- sit down and listen to this one, or you know, put it on your car because every song on here is just really amazing. I, I, I think yeah. it's the only Queen album where you can say that. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. But yeah, that was a uh, their, their you know, quote unquote breakout, wasn't it? Yeah, Night of the Opera. At least uh, that's the one Bohemian Rhapsody on it. So yeah, yeah, and I think like wasn't Day of the Races like okay? Yeah, and. <laughs> Like, it's sort like, of like yeah, you know, it is very much a night at the opera part two, only with a little more uh with more weaker songs, but it does have somebody to love on it, which you know, masterpiece. That is a great song. Yeah. I like Tie Your Mother Down too. That that's an awesome one. Yeah. yeah. Especially the the Wembley version. Mm. 
and I I don't remember what one it's on. I think oh, it's on Sheer Heart Attack. But I always liked um, the album cut, which ended up being on a greatest hits anyway of um, uh, Stone Cold Crazy, mm. which I think ended up becoming kind of a hit because of like I think Metallica covered it. Mm. Mm. I like uh, right thing for the wrong reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like uh, uh, Dragon Attack. I forget what that's on. Dragon, the game. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I think I saw, I caught Queen Rock Montreal on Palladia, I think. And uh, out of that concert, I came to know Get Down, Make Love, and Dragon Attack. So I like those two songs, too, in addition to all the Greatest Hits stuff. And then the Greatest Hits 3, what's on there that I enjoy? Princes of the Universe. I don't know what that was from, but Blackboard. I love that song too. Um, I don't know. Is, is it on another record? Princes. It's on a kind of magic. Um, it's a kind of magic. <laughs> snap. Snap. I also like, uh, what is it? Uh, the, oh, uh, gimme, gimme fried chicken is the end bit. The um, One vision. One vision. Thank you. It's based on the the uh, actual title of that one but yeah it's like because i remember like the first time i heard it, i was like wait 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 did he just say fried chicken <laughs> yeah because it is very like a an uplifting and sort of a really big song but then it ends on fried chicken which is kind of funny and ironic yes although fried chicken is pretty awesome yeah especially whole fried chickens yes <laughs> heads and all <laughs> And everything comes full circle. <laughs> of course, as always, as always. I mean, so here's the thing. I mean, when you sit down, how often do you just tend to put on a song versus how long can you tend to put on an album? I used to be the kind of person who would always just put on albums, mostly because it's it's really hard in iTunes to get it to just play one single bloody song. Yeah. Um, thankfully, there's a, uh, using my uh, app, launcher of choice launch bar you can actually do that and have it just play a single song so i've taken to doing that more often since i got that but mm. it's still kind of it still kind of feels a little weird to just in my opinion just only listen like one or two songs off an album if, and play them pull them up like that it just feels like i'm going against something that i'm used to doing and i still almost always put on albums how about, what about you guys yeah i'm very album oriented and i think that uh comes from having a CD player before I had an iPod. I used to bring my CD player, my Sony, what was it? It's a Discman? Discman, yeah, yeah. The round one with the blue alien. Um, I'm going to Google image that. Uh, it was, yeah, it wasn't that one. It was like perfectly round. It was like some fancy version. Maybe one of these. I don't know. Who cares? Oh, I had that one too. <laughs> um, some version of a Sony Discman, but I had to, you know, when I left for school every morning, I had to decide what CD I was going to bring with me that day. And uh, that's how I got to know a lot of the Dave Matthews records back in my in my youth. So I think that that is, um, you know, nowadays, I mean, you had to, this is kind of, you know, the historical side of it. But, you know, back in the day, you didn't have iTunes where you could buy individual tracks, which I will very, very rarely do anyway. Mm-hmm. Um I usually buy an entire record off of iTunes. Like I will almost never buy an individual song unless it's, you know, a special circumstance or something. But yeah, I'm very album oriented and I tend to put on, even today when I get in my car with my iPod or my iPhone, I'll pick a record and hit play on that record and not, uh, 
and not change it. But then again, if I'm if I'm riding in a car and somebody else is driving and I'm playing DJ, I will um, hop from from artist to artist just for the sake of my company. But otherwise, very very album oriented. I'm gonna. I I had the I had my period when I was carrying around a, a CD portable CD player too. It wasn't a Sony, but uh, I'm surprised. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't. Uh, you weren't one of the ones who uh, had around a book of CDs, Andrew. I had a book of CDs in my car, but um, I never carried it with me. Really, I don't think. Um, in the morning, I would always just choose one CD to take with me for that day and listen to it on the bus way to school and listen it to it on the way home from school. Um, when I got my first car and I was plugging in my Discman to my car stereo via who knows what kind of adapter at the time, um, I did have a book of CDs in the car. But even then, I mean, you know, swapping CDs is a pain in the ass. So I would put one CD in there until I was sick of it and then swap it out, you know. I, I never did that. I, w- I always carried around a small book of CDs. I think I have one of those. Uh, uh, I have it somewhere. A fifty CD binder. Uh, mm-hmm, I think it's mm-hmm. probably in my store in the storage shed now. Uh, and it's, yeah. still actually have some CDs, and I end up repurposing it to hold um, stuff that was like mix CDs or something that people sent me, and I don't have those now. But I usually ripped all of them anyway. Um, so, yeah. Well, what really got me started? Did you ever, anyone have an MP3 CD player? I did. No, uh, th- those were awesome. Those were awesome back in the day before, like the iPod was actually, you know, affordable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could get like a, a, a five hundred and twelve meg iPod for you know something like you know three hundred dollars, or you could get a, a MP3 CD player that would hold you know that where the CD would hold you know what six hundred ninety meg for forty bucks plus the yeah. CD burgering which is like a buck per maybe yeah, even less now so i mean well yeah yeah that was that was the shit i mean problem was just like navigating through the folders because i because that was always a pain in the ass you never could like like manage there's no like file system that you could see or at least on mine so yeah I, I didn't even bother with the folders i would just uh dump them all into the root of the cd and let it shuffle yeah, so, so you're 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 a shuffle guy. I kind of am. I, I I think it's probably partly because I work in radio. It's sort of you know, I mean the entire the entire thing of of radio is basically you know finding that perfect shuffle. You know, I mean and honestly, I mean it is. I mean like you know, there's like you know tons and tons of rules and whatnot in our schedulers that and everything is like coded really you know pretty strongly and it like. Even like Rich and I were even like kind of talking a little bit uh, online before about you know like how I wish iTunes had some of the stuff that like my my music scheduler at work does you know mm-hmm. ju- you know where I could you know use actual keywords and keep say you know mono puff and they might be giants from playing back to back say or whatever it's a mono puff is a side project of they might be giants for those who don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I know they had like a few versions back. This thing called Smart Shuffle, where it would like it promised it wouldn't play two artists back to back unless you set it to do that. And yeah, and it, yeah, it still bullshit. does that, but 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 yeah, or I mean in general, but I mean it's 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 still like it doesn't know anything beyond past of you know the actual exact text. So, and I, I think it might may even be dumb enough to not know, say, 
Devo being different from Devo space, you know, <laughs> with a space bar after it, you know. <laughs> oh god, I'm 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 terribly anal about my MP3 tags for the most part, and I I make sure that shit doesn't happen. I, I try my best too. Every once in a while, I'll download something and it'll sneak in. And I'll be like, "You goddamn rat bastard! Don't you care about anything? <laughs> you're you're it's people like you who are you know ruining this planet." <laughs> People who, who don't, you know, properly tag their MP3s. <laughs> yeah, that that is the biggest crime right now, honestly, in my opinion. And and like I said, I'm, I'm that guy. Don't even get me started. Andrew and I already had a a, a tiff on Twitter about alphabetizing by first name or last name. Oh God, I I do it by first name, but that it's just because it's it's easier, and I know it's lame, but it's like sort of like it's easier, and it's like. I, it's consistently that way. So exactly. at, least, at least I, at least I know where to look and it's something that I don't have to change with every one. Cause I mean, I do like that. Um, you do have the, um, sort by fields in iTunes now, but it, it's something that like most people don't update. So like pretty much everything that you would ever rip or download or whatever you'd have to fix. And I'm just way too lazy for that. And it's just like, I don't care enough. I can I can look under D for David Bowie, even though it's annoying and it kind of hurts my soul to do so. <laughs> I do it and it doesn't hurt my soul. <laughs> my mother was a, a librarian assistant, so I sort of I, I spent a lot of times in libraries as a kid, and it's just this is second nature. Last name first. It's how yeah. I sort my books. It's how I sort my physical records. It's how I sort my MP3s. <laughs> If you had Dave Matthews Band in your library, where would you put that? Uh, that would be under M for Matthews. Now that's tricky because it's it's a name of. But a you don't put the black keys band. under keys. No. Well, yeah, but I mean, like we're, we're talking. There, about there's no name, dude in the black keys named Black Keys. I know. Yeah, it's like Pink Floyd I mean, goes under P because it's the name of the band. It's not the name of a person. It's only names right. of people that do that. And I I do tend to do like uh, Thomas Dolby's under D for me. Yeah, instead of but, R for Robertson. Yeah, I mean, that's a stage name, but it's still first name, last name. Dave Matthews, yeah. that is kind of tricky because I don't have I don't have any other bands in the collection that are named person band. Mm. Like, I would, I think Ben Folds 5 would have the same. I don't have any Ben Folds 5 albums, so I like that's kind of the same conundrum. Where it really gets difficult, though, is uh, collaborations like David Byrne and Brian Eno and David Byrne and St. Vincent. Mm-hmm. Now, I think I have it so that uh, the David Byrne and St. I, I go by whoever's credited first. So same here. So David Byrne is under B, uh, yeah, obviously. God. And so the David Byrne, Brian, David Byrne, and Brian Eno's album, "Everything That Happens Will Happens Today," is under B. Byrne, yeah, Byrne Eno, the, but Bush of Ghosts, my life is in the Bush of Ghosts is Eno Byrne, so that goes under E. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know about that. You could have them sort by last name like that until the other day. So. I had gotten several artists from Rich for this show that would inexplicably be out of order, and I did <laughs> not know what to do. Inexplicable. <laughs> I messaged him on Twitter, and I was like, "Why is David Byrne under B?" And same thing with Bill Fox. Bill Fox was under F, and I was like, "What the hell is going on?" And I could not figure out how to do it until I realized that there are sorting options. Yeah, <sighs> took years off my life, but then I finally. Uh, I always err on the side of consistency, mm-hmm. and uh, 
Yeah, like David. Well, so do I. I'm perfectly consistent. Last name first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. It's and the thing that that does bug me because like uh, we um in, in our, our scheduling software at work we do keywords, which lets you do basically the same thing as the sorting options do. But like the one that pisses me off are the ones where they are like the such and such band, like where both name where it's two different guys, but they're both of their last names could be first names. Like if I recall, like there's, it's like, uh, I think it's the Eli young band, which is a, they're, they're a country act today. And, but there is no Eli young in the band. So that would go under E because it's, and they're not hyphenated or anything that gives you any hint that there's no Eli Young. You just have to know. And I'm like, God damn it, I hate you. See, I don't know why you would go through all this struggle. Unless it starts with the, like the supping band. And obviously you would go by, if it was the Dave Matthews band, you would go by D and not the, which pisses me off in the file system in my iTunes library. But yeah, I mean, iTunes, your iTunes library is automatically. Yeah. I was going to say that like iTunes automatically chops off A's and the's. At least it should. Well, <laughs> yeah, in iTunes, yeah, but if you go like into the file system and you go into my music or whatever oh. the folder oh, is yeah, called, all yeah. of the all of those uh, those are put together. Okay, I right. can see yeah, that. That, yeah. that. That throws me off too. Uh and the other thing too is that it doesn't do like I have a couple of some foreign bands like Aviador Dro's full name is actually El Aviador Dro. Uh, mm. This wonderful Spanish. We're going to do like a foreign favorites episode, and I'm going to pick those, and you're going to have to suffer with suffer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, the band's name is El Avidor Dro, the the pilot Dro. But iTunes doesn't automatically take off the L in sorting it, so I have to do that manually. And if I'm going to start with do it manually for that, I might as well go and do it for everything else. <laughs> I remember back in yeah. the days when you were downloading stuff off Audio Galaxy and you never knew how good the tags were going to be. So I just got into the habit of retagging every bloody thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like with um, sometimes too, you get like the ones that have like characters or um, like sometimes like I'll get like a well to you know go back to the beginning like an Otomo Yoshihide CD. Sometimes it'll be under Otomo Yoshihide, sometimes it'll be Yoshihide Otomo, which is you know Japanese version sometimes it will be in the actual kanji and it's like i mean there's very good reason for all three of these forms but it still drives me nuts yeah, and, <laughs> and i was like consistent like, within your own collection i think yeah yes and i always i always do fix it but i mean it'll be like I, i'll feel bad about quote unquote fixing it even though it is basically right i mean it is and it, and it, i always do have that kind of thing of like well, should I put Otomo Yoshihide in, in whatever the kanji is? But then I can't search for him because I don't know Japanese and I don't have a Japanese keyboard that, you know, right. can type well, in whatever well, the characters are. you can do are. with that is if you want to put that in the kanji, you can use the sort mm-hmm. tags to put that in the right spot. Yeah, so yeah. I've got uh, three albums by the uh, Jap- great Japanese new wave band Hikashu, and I have their name, well, it's written in katakana, but... But all I have to do mm. is just type HI and it pops up because it's sorted that way. Yeah. But again, I'm... Do you believe that... Yeah. Do you believe that 10,000 Maniacs should be at the top of your artist list or the bottom? Uh, on, on the sleeves, Ooh. don't they use the num- numbers? The numbers? Yes. Oh, 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 oh then I, I... I always go with what the sleeves say. Like, if, if the sleeves are consistent 
uh, with like say like one zero comma zero 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 maniacs, mm-hmm. then they they go with the rest of the numbers, which I prefer at the top, but iTunes likes to put it at the bottom, but I won't fight it with that. Fight I up. prefer yeah. them at the top as well, but I prefer them at the top too. iTunes puts them at the bottom. It drives me nuts to a degree, but it, it, there's more important things to get more worried about. Yeah, uh, but I would not file them under T E N. No, absolutely right. not. Now, here's a. Here, did any of you have any albums by Chick Chick Chick? Uh, no. I think I may have at one point. Um, yeah. And they would go at the bottom because those are exclamation points. And basically, in my own personal view, like the alphabetizing should go numbers, then letters, then punctuation. I would agree with okay. that. Yeah, I I'm used to have these. So 10,000 Maniacs should be at the top. To, okay. And Chick 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 should be at the bottom. Yeah, it should go like 10,000 Maniacs, Devo, Chick Chick Chick. Okay. In my th- my three artist library, two of which I don't even particularly care for. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because I, I have a couple number-based artists in here. Um, 156075, this amazing Ohio blues band. Uh, oh, the numbers the, band. Yeah, the 180Gs, uh, which is the They're purple awesome. negative land covers, and 386DX, which is this guy who does rock and roll covers using uh, vintage uh, PC MIDI equipment. Uh, sounds and vo- and vintage uh, computer vocals, which is kind of neat. That is, I, I think I've got a couple of the 386DX. Yeah. Things. Then there's then, then iTunes puts check check check, and then it puts all my compilations that I haven't reordered. It's mm. like, for, for for film soundtracks, I mean, I don't have a whole lot of film soundtracks, but I have a bunch that are comp- that are the Wes Anderson films, and all the ones that have Mark Mothersbaugh as the main composer go under Mark Mothersbaugh, which is under. Mm. Specifically under M.O. in the sort. <laughs> but uh, I might ha- I have to do, probably have to do something out with the rest of the Wes Anderson stuff because, yeah, Alexander Desplat has, has been his house composer for the last uh, two two films. But I don't have anything else by him, so I'm, I'm going to let this sit in various artists. Yeah. Speaking of compilations, the one thing that makes me just, like, want to kill is when you get like a greatest hits album, which again, full circle, that is like a one artist thing that is tagged with the compilation uh, tick box. That drives me nuts because yes, it's technically a compilation, but that is specifically for various artist compilations, not single artist compilations, you dumb fuck. <laughs> I don't even know how to use the compilation oh, wow. thing. <laughs> yeah. I have opinions. <laughs> Oh, yeah, the compilation thing is, if you have, like, any Greatest Hits album, um, not Greatest Hits, what do I think? Any, like, multi-artist collections of stuff, yeah. uh, including, let's say, film soundtracks mm-hmm. that have, like, you know, not mm-hmm. just the score, but songs that were in the film. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah you assign them all the, the proper song artist uh, and all the same album title, and then you check, you know, check them all and uh, mark them all as part of a compilation. I've got a fair amount of various artist compilations in here. Uh, right, and th- and that's what that tag is for. Yeah, and I've got eighty of them, not counting the mother, the Mark Mothersbaugh soundtracks. Yeah, but but every so often I'll get like a like a a B sides compilation, say, or a Grace Hits record, or whatever, and it will have that like part of a compilation. Yes, and no, 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 die in a fire. <laughs> yeah, I just for movie soundtracks. This might offend you grossly, but what I do for movie soundtracks is because I didn't 
know how to work the compilation thing. So what I usually do is I put the name of the movie as the artist and then the album is the official soundtrack or the official score or whatever. And then uh, the name of the song is song title dash artist. Uh, that that would drive me nuts, but at least that it one depends on the soundtrack. Sorry, Matt, you were saying. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. For me, it's like I don't mind using like the album artist feel for that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like 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 with riches, like you know, like with like say I don't know, like a a, a CD that like Mark Mothersbaugh has done like the score of, and it's a C, a, a score CD except that there's like maybe like two or three pop songs by other people on there. I could I would be totally fine with using like artist field correctly, and then just throwing the entire thing under Mark Mothersbaugh or album artist. Yeah. yeah. Or or um, using or even using like various artists as album artists, which I see sometimes, and it's. That one at least, that one bugs me a little bit, but not nearly, not not enough to, to actually like call people out on a podcast for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, what I, I have a couple. Oh, I'm. Um, that's sorry. okay. Um, I have a couple like Broadway musical soundtracks and some film soundtracks that are all that are from musical films. Uh, like let's just say the producers. I actually keep the producer stuff under Mel Brooks, but um, because he it's his film. Uh, right. I mean, I could probably just do. I wouldn't have any problem with having the artist on those be the producers. Like, like let's let's go with the music. Uh, the musical Les Misérables. I have the soundtrack with the artist tag Les Misérables, and so same with album artists too. Because I don't want to have like every bloody performer in the artist tag. I think that's a pain in the rear. So yeah, so fuck it. it yeah, I, 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 I want to listen to Les Misérables. Okay, Les Misérables. Whatever. <laughs> I don't work for the theater anymore, and I haven't taken French in ten years, twelve years. <laughs> Less miserables. Yeah, them, them, they Les are Miz. sad folk. Name <laughs> is that. That's the easy what? way to do it. So in iTunes, what columns do you guys have visible? I have none. Checkmark box. I don't know none. why I do that. Then I have the iCloud. What is this? iCloud. iTunes match. Da- mm, it's just a little cloud icon. iCloud download or iCloud status, iCloud download, I guess. And then I have iCloud status, then name, artist, album, time, and then kind for the file type. Ah, uh, for me, it's like I like having the one with the um, the album art on the side. Oh, see, so, I don't do that. No, I have oh. CoverFlow going. Okay. Well, I, I uh, when I listen to iTunes DJ, I have CoverFlow. Uh, but in my library, library in my playlist, I have the um, it with the uh, album art always shown on the side, hmm. and so I have album by artist, which is that that art column, track number, checkbox, just because I, I never I very rarely use the checkboxes, but whatever. Yeah. Name, time, artist, album, number of plays, genre, rating. Um, then I think it's last played and date added. Wow. Uh, I'm, I keep it a little more compact. I do have, I mean, I do most of my browsing and list in grid view. I mm-hmm. love the grid view. I'm very visual like that. And uh, when I click on an album, it's I get the album art. I, album artist by year. I sort by out artist and then by year. Mm. I told you. I, mm. My mom was a librarian assistant. This is this is uh, this is kind of. I think this is genetic. Um, <laughs> then I have the uh, the, the um, track nu- the uh, the number the track number. Well, not the track number, but the uh, like the number, the 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 number field that's not doesn't have a title on it. 
uh, right, right, box. right. Then I have, then I still have artists for some reason. I can probably, I, I do that because I have a lot of compilations. Uh, mm-hmm. Song title, time, disc number, because I have a couple, a bunch of multi-disc stuff. Year, uh, genre, rating, then play count. Yeah, and I, I like having play count up because I, I'll actually do a smart playlist based off of play count too, as like kind of a easy shorthand for favorite songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. And no horizontal scrolling. Oh, yeah, everything no, no, is no horizontal stretched scrolling. out appropriately. It, that was something that drove me nuts when I got rid of my had to put my twenty two inch display away. Now I have to do everything on a thirteen inch display, and so mm-hmm. yeah, everything's kind of compressed now. Went back to the small text in iTunes and shrunk the album art down. I used to have the uh, album art display at the bottom left hand corner of the of the library bar. Oh I yeah, I got rid of that. Yeah. I actually and still have that. This is all going little... to change once iTunes 11 comes out. That's <laughs> true. Uh, so, well. Yeah, I can't stand having any ellipses, like because the the album the uh, the column isn't wide enough. Oh yeah. So I have to uh, my name title my name column is very wide, and my artist album titles are also very wide. Um, probably I taking have... up at least three quarters of my window. I, I have to get I have to get used to uh, ellipses because I do have some long albums uh, and some long artist names and some long titles. In fact, Matt, didn't you give one of your mix CDs is all songs with really long titles, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and I, I and I, I instead of using something like you know like oh x number of characters, I actually did like kind of judge out my uh, iTunes uh, like name field to be. You know, what I thought was, like, suitably long kind of by eyeballing titles. Mm-hmm. And, and then anything with an ellipses went on the mix. I mean, I mean, I curated it, of course, but, I mean, those were, like, the candidates. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here it is. Pray for my TV show, which is, yeah. Yeah, that was a, it was a mix that was, or the, the title of it came from a uh, public access TV preacher in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Pastor Mary. She also sold uh, what she called Jesus Water. Which, like, it was, like, funny because, like, Dale and my friend Dale and I, like, uh, would, like, watch the show, like, almost every week. And she one week she started talking about, like, Jesus water. And we joked that, you know, basically her basement is flooded because her sump pump broke. And then it turned out that her basement had flooded and her sump pump broke. And that's what the Jesus water was. Wow. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Pastor Mary, ladies and gentlemen. Pastor Mary. Yeah. So I think I think we've talked about enough about how anal we are, but I, the only other thing that's left is like album artwork, and I try to get album artwork for everything I absolutely can in the best quality. Same here. Same yeah. Here. Um, absolutely. A lot of times I will default to what um, iTunes has when it does have it, but yeah, there's still a, a a very good chunk of stuff that I have that iTunes does not have. Yeah. Because I like weird shit. Agreed. In fact, there's this one album in my collection by a band called XBXRX. Oh, I've heard of them. Yeah. And Don't know how I, to say it, but... I think it's just pronounced XBXRX. But oh, okay. it drives me nuts because the there's this one early album of theirs, which I love, called Love Songs for the Blind. And the highest quality artwork I could find was 200 by 200. Ugh. I hate that. Cool. What's your default uh, resolution that you usually pick for album artwork? Like if you're going to Google it and pull it into iTunes. Minimum 500 by 500. If I can get 600 by 600, that's better. 
six, I rarely go higher than 600 by 600. Um, I'll go with um, highest that I can, but my ideal minimum is 500 by 500, but sometimes I will, I will suffer with 400 by 400. Well, yeah, I usually go with uh, a minimum of 300 by 300. Like 300 by 300 is like if I absolutely have to, but I will, I will actually like go into like kind of a hardcore search if, if all I can find is 300 by 300. Yeah, usually and because it has to um, be absolutely perfectly square. Yeah, um, usually I'm just Unless, looking at the album artwork on my iPhone so I can get away with a smaller resolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I used to I I ever since I got uh, an iPhone with a Retina display, I've wanted to get higher resolution artwork because you can yeah. definitely tell when something's 300 uh, and being blown up on an on a iPhone four or yeah iOS or five or whatever. Whatever it is now, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we 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 all are obsessive, aren't we? To a certain degree. Oh yeah, I I honestly actually do have OCD. <laughs> Wait a minute. Okay, I've got a question for you guys. Okay. So okay, so away from the world, uh, the new Dave Band album came out last week. We talked about it. You hated it. So <laughs> the record I bought the deluxe edition off of iTunes, as you do, right? And it came with three live bonus tracks of songs that are already on the album. So obviously these cannot stand to remain a part of the album. So what, I don't know, maybe you guys disagree with that, but what would you do with those three bonus tracks? Like I took them off of the album. So I put them as their own album called away from the world bonus disc. But the pain in the ass is that there is no separate cover art for that. So now I have two cover arts that are the Away From The World uh, artwork. And I have one called Away From The World bonus disc and one for Away From The World with the studio songs proper. Okay. Basically, for me, I, I um, disagree with your uh, entire uh, argument. Like, basically, <laughs> to me, like um, what I will do in, in cases like that is um, with bonus discs in general, what I will do is I will... Uh, combine them by using the same uh, album title. Like for in this case, I would have both would be away from the world. Uh-huh. Um, the bonus disc would be tagged as disc two of two. The, the album itself would be tagged as disc one of one. So you would have like you know your you know your real album. Then you going one through what fifteen? I think it was uh, eleven. Yeah, eleven. What? So you'd have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. One, two, three. Right. But then in iTunes, like, what does it matter what the discs are? Because they're going to be played back to back anyway. And if you pull that up on an iPod, isn't gonna, it's going to show up as one thing. So when the last track, the last studio track plays, then it's going to automatically go into the live track. Well, I tend to think of those as part of the album anyway. So that does not bother me. So there are two versions of a song, one of which is live and one. See, I don't, I don't swing that way. Okay. I have, you know, the <laughs> okay. studio album is the studio album and the live tracks are nice bonuses but they're not part of the record mm. well here's what i do um i have yeah you know, let's say for example you've got an album with with live tracks on it um i'm going to take the recent re-release of qr not men aware diva because that's the first thing that came to mind um now all those live tracks now here's the if they're live tracks attempted appended onto a studio album they get tagged with the extra word live on the title field however for live albums, if you put live in the title field of a, of a of the track name and field of a live album, you are evil and you are wrong and you should be punished. Especially so if I'm it's getting... in brackets live. Ugh. 
Yeah. Well, mm. yeah, bra- brackets or parentheses. I'm not picky about that part. Uh, you know, square brackets or parentheses. I'm not picky about that. Uh, go on, I'm looking at mm. is in square brackets, but whatever. I should be pickier about that, but I'm not. Anyway, um, when I put the album on my phone, uh, if I put that on my uh, iPhone, I'm not going to put the live tracks on there nine times out of ten. I just copy over mm-hmm. the stuff that's the regular studio album, uh, mm-hmm. unless you know I really want to have those on there. Um, yeah, like like uh, for example, like in in the Dave Matthews case, if yeah. I were putting it on my iPod, I would likely only put on the the actual first disc, the studio album. That's right. a good compromise. So you do the disc one of two, disc two of two in iTunes, but then you only put on disc one on your device. Yeah, yeah. Un- unless say like the, the, album, the live tracks are particularly awesome or something. But right. yeah, yeah. And if you want to listen to the album in iTunes and not play those tracks, that's why I keep the check boxes there so I can uncheck those and it won't play them. Right. That's what those check boxes or, are for. What I usually will do is because I like to have like the shuffles going, but if I want to listen to an album, I'll usually select the album and then right click and go play next to an iTunes DJ. And in that case too, I would not select those live tracks. I would just select the, the studio album. Right. Yeah. The only being a Dave Matthews Band fan, I have a lot of live tracks, and obviously, if it's a if it's a full show in its entirety, you don't put the uh you don't put live in the album in the song titles because that would be just ridiculous because everyone would be live obviously Mm -hmm. but like they put out a lot of bonus discs like this where there are you know seven or nine tracks or whatever from various shows so depends on what the album title is going to be but for those instances where i have uh, a compilation of live tracks from various shows i will put song title comma and then the date of that performance um, using periods instead of slashes. Uh, so it would be like mm-hmm. mercy, comma, 6.3.12. I default to, if this is officially released, I default to whatever the album cover would say, you know, the track listing would say. Um, mm-hmm. I do have a couple boot, some bootlegs. I, I took most of them out of my uh, iTunes library, actually, as I had a ton of Devo bootlegs that I don't listen to. Uh, for those, the uh, if it's a bootleg, I will... Uh, go with venue, date, uh, date in year, month, day format, separated by hyphens. For for and of me, course the bootleg oh. is has a year date as a album date of the year it was recorded. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I am. Uh, I am weird, and I I I fully accept this. But for me, what I will do is for like live versions, like again with like let's use the Dave Matthews thing as as our example. Mm-hmm. What I will actually do is on that on the live bonus disc, which is already lift, grouped with the album, I will actually put in the comments field live, but have the actual title field just be the title of the song because <clears throat> sorry, my my reasoning is is for uh last FM purposes, if I am listening to um it keeps track of songs and versions therefore should not matter. So therefore if I'm if I'm listening to like Whip It and I want Whip It to show up on my last FM, it doesn't matter if I'm listening to it on Freedom of Choice, Greatest Hits, one of the billions of live bootlegs I have, the demo version from Recombo DNA, blah, 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 blah. Whip It is Whip It is Whip It. Therefore, I should say Whip It on the last FM. And I have thus listened to Whip It X number of times, even if each individual version of Whip It I have has like a play count of two. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I, I know most people do behind that, but I don't bother with that. No, 
I'm not going to disagree with you. I see the logic behind it, but it's just mm. I'm not going to bother with that because I want to know which version of Whippet I'm listening to. And I think it. Uh, I don't get that picky for Last FM. Wow, we've really gone on for a while. I think we might want to start wrapping this up. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, this is it's, one of those ones where we, we've gone off on several tangents, and I think I am to blame for a fair chunk of that. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree. I think this was a productive di- productive digression. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Argument. <clears throat> I think it was definitely productive. I think we're changing people's lives. <laughs> we're helping people, as you do. Yes. Mm-hmm. And <sighs> by telling them like that's that's kind of the boil of this thing is, is um how you take care of your MP3 library is wrong. Yeah, you're all doing it wrong. <laughs> Especially you, Mister Sort by first name. <laughs> I sort by first letter consistently, regardless of whether it's somebody's name or if it's a band. Band, exactly. I put the sort bytes <laughs> in there for a reason. Damn it! All right. <laughs> Well, I took them out. You know. <laughs> uh, well, You're wasting keystrokes there, Rich. <laughs> I'm happy. It's for me. So with that, uh, you can find me. Uh, I'm Rich at sandspoint.com. And uh, so where I'm posting stuff every week. And uh, I'm also at Sandspoint on Twitter. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, what about you guys? <laughs> it's, it's a game of chicken. I guess so. <laughs> it's a game of roasted whole chicken. Roasted whole chickens. Uh, AndrewMarvin.net is the website. And at AndrewMarvin on Twitter and last.fm slash user slash AndrewMarvin, I think. <laughs> and uh, I am uh, at KittySneezes.com. Uh, KittySneezes on Tumblr, on Twitter, and on last.fm is R-E-V-M-E just to blow your mind. <laughs> And we're, of course, Crush on Radio on Twitter, crushonradio.com, and you can review us on iTunes. We love you. This has been our 20th episode. So this was – I knew we were going to do something big for 20, and I didn't know we were going to be doing this, but wow. <laughs> and here's to 20 more. Yes. Uh, pop out the paleo-friendly non-alcoholic champagne or something because I know mm, thank you. you drink and you're on the pale- – well, is, is champagne paleo? Um, It's made with grapes. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Maybe, okay. maybe if it's like, well, isn't paleo like mostly meat? Um, it's no grains, no processed, no sugar. Oh, okay. Because I always think of that as like mostly meat, and so I was thinking like we're we're like like the uh, tribesmen in Africa, I think, where they like basically shoot an arrow into a cow and drink the blood, and then let the cow go off on its way. So, hmm. I remember like in a, in my uh, when my like ninth grade history class, like everyone went ew to that, and the teacher goes. Yeah, but I. Um, how many of your uh, hamburgers that you had for lunch today are getting up and walking around? And everyone kind of shut up. Nice. Wow. So burn. So nice talking with you guys as always. This was fun. And all right. Cool. Cut it. Cut it.